0: for calling
1: Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used
0: by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X No one under 17 admitted.
2: Uh, Doug, you want to tell everybody how we came up with our movie selections this week?
1: Um, you said we should watch these. What was... The? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know was, what the theme is for this week.
2: It, the theme literally it, is, we, we forgot to come up with the theme last week, and on Sunday, we're like, ah, fuck, we got to pick movies, and, and so... Yeah, I had already watched one of them, so I was like, well, I can do this and knock it down so I only have to watch one movie
1: this week. Son of a bitch. (laughs) That would happen. Yeah. Because I, like, I watched these two and I, like, because I hadn't seen one and I hadn't seen the other one in decades, so I'm like, I don't know what the connection is between these two.
2: Stephen (laughs) King. And then I watched them
1: both and then I'm like, I still don't know. Stephen King. All right. That's
2: literally it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: I accept that they're both uh, horror-ish. Uh, they both have, have a weird people going underground into mud. But that's, the, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's it's a lot of mud.
2: Much.
1: It's
3: a mud, mud in both movies.
1: Yeah, well, sure the character characters are human beings in both movies. I think. So, oh no, one has a character that's a dog. The other one has a character that's some kind of mouse thing. I got nothing. I got nothing. (laughs) Mouse, rat. I guess. Sorry, was the term I should use. Uh,
2: Noah, do you want to tell us about Graveyard Shift?
3: Sure. (laughs) Uh, So, Graveyard Shift is a movie about a stranger rolling into town who's kind of an outsider character in a Stephen King story <laughs> my god uh, and he goes to work at a cotton mill is that what they're called is it a mill
2: uh, they call it a textile mill I believe
3: yeah textile mill yeah. uh, working the picker which is like a crazy munchy mangler looking machine <laughs> uh, the Mangler's place is, is a invested- different movie. I know but it's oh, mangler-esque it is true yeah, if we teamed uh, us up with a mangler, I would understand our theme. Right. So the place is infested with rats, and it's got a basement filled with bullshit. Uh, health department saying they're going to shut that bitch down. Uh, of course, there is a rich, slightly unstable asshole owner guy, because once again, it's a Stephen King story. So mm. there's always some corporate asshole guy. Uh, He's going to make them all clean out this basement for double pay over a holiday weekend. They find out there's a crazy sub-basement that actually is a giant subterranean clusterfuck of something. I don't (laughs) – there's like shit down there. I don't don't know what the fuck is going on. Uh, And it turns out that there are giant uh, – well, this movie – the movie doesn't do a very good job of explaining it if you haven't read the fucking short story. (laughs) so the the giant bat creature is actually a rat. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like a rat that's grown wings and lost well, its legs.
1: I assumed it was a rat because there's so many other rats in the in the movie. yeah, yeah. in
3: the the problem is in the movie, it just looks like some kind of crazy bat thing, and they never bother to explain what the fuck is going on other than they've been breeding underground for a long time and i if I remember right, in the short story, there's actually a bunch of them, right? uh it's been forever since i read it so. yeah me too i think that's right i think there's more than one and they there's like different stages there's like the rats and then there are like creepy eyeless rats and then there are rats with wings and then there's like the giant one uh yeah but like they they go to town and uh a bunch of people fucking die some people get thrown into the the mill machine and it munches them up some people get eaten by rat thingies dude gets his hand ripped off Brad Duff gets his fucking head crushed by goddamn <laughs> concrete sarcophagus for no fucking reason. It's like a weird little side thing that they do. <laughs> basically, I, this I have some
1: is questions about great. that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you said basically this movie's great, is that what you? Yeah,
1: yeah, this movie's yeah. fucking
2: great. What about you, Doug?
1: Well, I want to start with the with the first and most important question. Sure. The uh, Manager or owner, whatever he is, that you know he's the scumbag. He's making him do all this
0: mm-hmm. with his
1: terrible supposed, main accent. Is that what that's supposed to be a main accent? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, it was so distracting for the whole movie. I was like, "What accent is that?" And I kept like I looked up the actor. I'm like, "Is he from some weird country?" Yep. And he's just trying to cover up his accent, but not to no. So he thinks he's doing in this movie what like Fred Gwynn did in Pet Cemetery. He thinks yeah. that's the same accent. Yeah, he okay. thinks it's the same. Right. I, don't,
3: I don't actually it's think he's song. doing a bad accent. I think that's actually just a, like, the the real accent is a terrible accent. <laughs> oh, I've been to Maine, and that's not how people talk there. Yeah, but that's not the way I mean, everyone do. in Maine talks. That's how, like, rednecks in Maine talk.
1: Well, uh, maybe. I was going to say, they do talk funny there, just not in this manner. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> yeah. I don't. My initial thoughts on this movie are: What the fuck is going on? Oh, at least somebody got killed. What the fuck is going? Oh, at least somebody got killed. <laughs> That's my reaction <laughs> to this movie. I, I feel very much like this is a it's, it's a nineteen ninety. I assume this is a to video type thing. And I feel very much like this was the time of when they just. They were like we can make a relatively cheap movie Dump it on VHS and people will buy it We gotta find like an excuse to put one Actor in there that people will have heard of That's why Brad Dourif's character Shows up because his plot is Irrelevant to everything else in the movie And he's clearly behaving like He's in a different movie and not this one (laughs) Like he's (laughs) He's way off tone I don't understand what he's doing there I don't know if this
2: was a directed video or not on IMDb, it does have an opening weekend
1: gross. So what is it like, twelve ninety five opening weekend kind of thing? Like they put it in one theater so they could be eligible for Oscars, just in case. No,
2: because it's nineteen ninety money, and it made five million something on opening weekend. Oh shit, that's not bad. Yeah, with a budget of had a budget of ten and a half million, ended up making about eleven and a half. So it wasn't like a runaway hit or nothing, but, I mean, they made they made their money back, if yeah, you don't what include has, uh, P&A and stuff.
1: It has Stephen King's name attached to it, so 11000000 bucks million isn't that much.
3: Hmm. I think, I think this is about the fourth time I've seen this movie, and uh, co- controversial statement. I think this might be the best Stephen King horror movie It might be I mean it's kind of hard to put it up against Carrie Because like Carrie's a classic
1: I can't believe you're actually Trying to engage us in a discussion About whether this is better than Carrie Let's move on past this I think we all know where everybody else is coming down Here's here's the truth
3: I I don't fucking think Carrie's that good It's better
1: than this though No, it doesn't have a cool monster. It's debatable whether this has a cool monster. This has a monster. We can agree to that. See? (laughs) Not cool, bro.
2: See, but I feel like this is a good Noah movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not trying to say that I didn't have some fun watching this. I I don't want that to be the case. (laughs) But there's almost nothing that you could actually describe as good about it. I don't. What's bad about it? How about the? That's what I'm trying to figure out. What's what? Don't you like about it? How about the fact that the while this whole movie about fighting you left this conveniently out of your plot description, so you wouldn't have to defend it? I'm sure. The rich owner guy goes nuts and starts fucking killing people while they're all down in the basement trying to fight the monster, and there's no explanation provided for that.
3: Once again, it's Stephen King's story. Of course he does. They need, a, they need a way to bring the movie to an end. It's just a <laughs> giant
2: psychotic prick that finally unleashes his rage.
1: We're right. all going to around and act like we're okay with it? I mean, he Damn. also goes through the entire movie and
3: about eight people die in his factory, and he does not give two fucks.
1: <laughs> and apparently he doesn't even bother to tell the other employees what happened. No, 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 he covers it up so that it won't affect his business. That I can get that I can get behind.
2: <laughs> that you can get behind.
1: Well I'm not encouraging <laughs> the behavior. I'm saying that makes <laughs> that makes sense for a character in a movie to do. Hey, somebody man. dies somebody Some... dies in your factory and you lie and say, Oh, they just ran off and this is a town <laughs> that's kind of falling apart so everyone's okay with the idea that people have been running off.
2: Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do.
1: They have that big shipment, they have to get to New York must be to Thursday or whatever the fuck How <laughs> about the fact that, like, I'm just going to change the subject here completely But what about okay. the fact that when they go down in that basement and they're cleaning it up mm-hmm. And it's just supposed to be, like, full of shit and dirty and everything And I have, I have a few questions about it But my biggest thing is, why are there so many fucking chairs in that basement? All the garbage that they're cleaning up is, like, 80% just chairs Mm, why is that it's a bunch of it's a basement full of bullshit.
3: I've seen shit like that. Where it's all just chairs? Where did they get all those chairs? I don't know, because it probably the- used to be fucking chairs in the building and they just threw them in the basement.
1: <laughs> I feel like you're you're giving this film a lot. My follow up question is why do they bring a fire hose down there and that's what they're gonna use to fight the rats? That's a weird decision to make, isn't it?
2: It is a
3: little strange.
1: There's just like there's a group of like In case anyone didn't watch the film That we did You get down in the basement There's a group of five or six people down there There's two in charge of just moving chairs across the room At any given time There's usually one on break And then there's one guy every day assigned To just hold a fire hose And when rats show up you shoot rats with the fire hose
3: (sighs) I don't know But I'm I'm against cruelty to animals And shooting rats with a fire hose Sounds really fun (laughs)
1: I do like that you've got the one character who shoots rats with fire hose but then our like our hero character is a little more civilized, so that's why he shoots the he is he shoots some pop cans out of what's that called slingshot. Uh,
3: I do believe you mean he shoots them with diet Pepsi cans. Yeah, conveniently with the label pointed toward the camera every single time.
1: Oh, I'm surprised this movie wasn't in 3D, so the Pepsi can could have flown right at you. <laughs>
2: From what I just read online, like, it was not a purposeful product placement. Like, Pepsi didn't pay them, but they allowed the usage of the Pepsi cans in the movie with no problem. That's
1: weird, because it really seemed like it was intentional the way they kept showing it. Right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so... I I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was fun. Uh, I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as Noah did, of course. But
1: oh, of
3: course not. <laughs> I just I just don't understand that. This is everything you want in a horror movie. It's like bloody and gory, and there's weird kills and a crazy machine that doesn't make any sense. Just, See, I could that
2: just
1: that, uh, uh,
3: that is only it's Chekhov's cotton picker.
1: <laughs> I
2: could have used more monsters. Could have used uh t- took a little while before like the monster became like something they had to deal with. So I could have used the monster showing up a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I feel I feel like they were doing the classic thing where they were covering up their bad effect. Like they knew that monster wasn't gonna look good if it got too much screen time. So they kept having to do kills slightly off screen and then just feeding people to the rats. Which was a nice touch. I like that the monster took it took the rats under its wing. Like it was his job <laughs> to feed the rats.
2: I did like the use of uh, the Beach Boys song While they're hosing down the rats though
1: <laughs> And the rats are just riding on the little pieces of wood uh, Down the little <laughs> river of water <laughs>
2: Yeah Surf and safari playing in the background
1: At first, because the way that scene is shot too It's like it starts with Surf and safari playing And there's just these rats drifting down a river on <laughs> surfboards, and I'm like what the fuck, and at least when you scale back you realize, okay, the characters are listening to a ghetto blaster, and the other guy is spraying the hose, causing the rats to get pushed away, so it's not, at least it's not just an insert shot of that
2: because
1: <laughs> this movie has some like, really weird shit going on in it that it wouldn't surprise me if there's just surfing rats in the middle
2: Yeah, and uh, I will say, this is one of those movies where, okay, if you've never seen it before, the opening credits start, and you're like, okay, okay, so these guys work in this mill, lots of rats everywhere, like, this is a fucking weird movie. And then the credits pop up, and it's like, wait a minute, Brad Durf plays an exterminator? Ah, this got way more interesting. (laughs) I just love Brad Durf. (laughs)
1: Look, Brad Dourif is just being Brad Durf in this movie.
2: He's doing his Brad
1: Durf thing, which stands out completely from the way everyone else is behaving. But he has his own little storyline. Like, everybody else is on that same storyline. They're all yeah. going down in that basement. They're all going to clean up. He is an outsourced exterminator who's brought in and is just being ineffectual because they won't... Basically, the owner of the mill won't pay... For, for what's needed to actually get rid of the rats he's trying to do it on the cheap and mm-hmm. Durf just comes in every now and again and traps some rats and complains and then when it's time for him to be out of the story the owner I think intentionally sends him to a graveyard knowing that if he goes to that graveyard something will fall and crush him to death is that, a, is that what you guys thought? <laughs> you, was that a murder situation?
2: I don't know what if it was, was that intentional but
1: it really felt to me like he's like, I don't want to go out there. He's like, oh, you'll go out there. And then he goes out there. And as soon as he's out there, things start to go wrong. And I'm like, how did that guy know? How did he know that that <laughs> giant tombstone or whatever the fuck it is is going to crush Brad Dourif to
2: death? I just like that uh, throughout the course of the movie, it's like, well, we run this cotton textile mill. Oh, by the way, it happens to be butted up right next to a graveyard. Yeah, just... Oh, and, and by the way, there's problems under the ground, so I'm sure the graveyard will not come into uh, play whatsoever, but yeah. And it's like, Jesus Christ, of course there's
3: problems.
1: <laughs> yep. N- none of that was really shocking, I don't think. <laughs> there weren't a lot of major plot twists in this movie that... <laughs>
2: Uh, the owner was gonna punch that woman in the face. And they stopped.
1: Oh, well, that, that was another little plot line that didn't serve a lot of purpose, other than to have her drunkenly get eaten by rats later.
0: <laughs> well,
3: I think it was to show you that uh, that dude's real easy
1: to set off. I don't know. It's easy to set off. She trashes this car pretty good. <laughs>
2: So, are we saying recommend for this movie?
1: Oh yeah, I mean it's a fun watch. It's mm-hmm. again, I wouldn't call it a great movie or even a good movie. Uh, the acting subpar. Ah, monster doesn't look great. <laughs> the Brad Durf thing is from a whole different movie, but it's all fine. Like it's all you have a good time watching it.
2: Uh, I feel to- like this this is a perfect uh, July 4th weekend watch Because that's when the movie takes place Oh yeah um, But everybody's always so hot and sweaty and everything So I feel like that would just That would just add to it Yeah
0: You know what my favorite thing about this movie is Is like
1: when this new guy comes to town And all the rednecks are like picking on him And calling him college boy and everything But he's like He's wearing like jeans and a denim shirt he doesn't look look that different from anybody else in that town like it's not like he shows up all dressed prim and proper and thinks he's better than everybody else like how do they know he went to college I don't even know how they figured that out (laughs) (laughs) like it's so weird it's like he just he looks like he would fit in just fine but they immediately go to picking on him because he's this outsider
2: yeah what do they call him the rat man and they serve him rat on a bun or something in the, like
1: the, that in the, the middle restaurant. of a
2: restaurant <laughs> yeah and the owner wasn't like uh you can knock that bullshit off or get the fuck out
1: nobody said anything one of it's the poem, weird just to one of the boys yeah, like
2: played by uh, Andrew Devoff of Wishmaster fame by the way
1: of Wishmaster I wouldn't say Wishmaster fame
2: <laughs>
3: don't, you, don't, about, don't you start talking shit about Wishmaster
2: how about um, uh Patchy from Lost Fame, how's that?
1: No, nah, it's all right, I guess.
0: Oh, poor Andrew and
1: think, I th- I think Brad Dourif is our big name in this movie. I think everybody else is <laughs> like that lead guy. I didn't recognize him at all. I just felt bad for them because they couldn't get Michael Bean to be in their
0: movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Come on, David Andrews. He was in Terminator Three. He was in Fight Club. Come on, he's a big name.
3: It's in Terminator 3? Right. Yeah. That's what his IMDb says. Uh, Terminator <laughs> 3, the beginning of the shit.
2: <laughs> he was a uh, foreman in Nightmare on Elm Street. There was oh, a four, yeah. There, there was a foreman in Nightmare on Elm Street?
1: Uh, there must be. I'm wondering if... When they're chasing the one guy down He runs by a construction crew That's what I'm kind of thinking
2: Mm. And then like Right around when this movie was made He was in He was in uh, Pulaski the TV detective Don't even know what that is Uh, Jack Crockett On Miami Vice I'm assuming that's Don Johnson's
1: brother. Uh, This is why I don't like him. He was in that World War Z movie. Wow, see, I didn't even
2: see that. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else? anybody wants to say about Graveyard Shift?
1: Oh. We should talk about that scene where the guy's arm gets bitten off. Not because the guy's arm gets bitten off, but yeah. because he sh- when he shakes it after, and the little bits of guts go flying everywhere. That was fucking awesome. That was definitely yeah. the highlight of the movie for me. He shakes his like stump, and there's a little blood and guts flying everywhere. The other guys are like, "Fuck this! Just leave him behind." <laughs> mm.
2: Good times. Yeah. Um, all right, Doug, do you want to tell everybody what In the Tall Grass is about?
1: Um, if you can. I can give it a shot. So these people are driving down the road. They pull over for reasons. I don't remember why they pulled over. Uh hear a little boy calling them from this field of very tall grass. Decide uh, to take it upon themselves to go into the grass looking for the boy. They become lost in there For a very long time uh, Eventually oh, the, the, the girl of the two is pregnant Eventually the father of her child shows up The same thing happens to him basically <laughs> Except that now he hears the boy's voice He calls to the boy Which it turns out he's the one that called the boy in the boy's dad tries to kill them all for a while There's a large rock There's an implication of the church across the street somehow related but I'm not sure how for some reason there's a bowling alley Uh, I I take it back I don't know how to tell people
0: this
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're not wrong
3: I mean it seems like there's a field of tall grass inside of that tall grass is some kind of lovecraftian elder space stone evil thing And it it has created some kind of paradoxical time loop within the field of tall grass where once you go in, you can't get out. And, like, time loops back in on itself over and over again. Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: All right. And it seems like this has been happening for a while because there's a whole bunch of cars parked at that church. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I like the fact that the the kid even called – brings that up where he's like yeah there's more people in here but they don't really have anything to do with this story <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> well that was one of my one of my complaints about the movie would be that so there's this obvious like so the, the, the first two people that go in the brother and sister go in and then the boyfriend character shows up and they all get lumped in with Tobin and his family but they don't run into anyone else at all. And so the implication is that there's some sort of a connection as to why you know, Tobin called them in, but then they called him in. But they never tie anything together as to why these people are connected. And I found that very strange. Like, why is Tobin and his family connected to this other group of people that causes them to be all caught up in this together, but not no, run into it's... any of the other people?
3: I think it's just supposed to be that the, the evil stone god wants it to be that way is the whole thing.
1: So that's just going to be the answer for everything now?
2: Yes. <laughs> Probably.
1: I mean that's
3: right. literally – they basically explained that at the very beginning. That, that, that the, the tall grass and the stone thing basically once you're in there, it can do whatever the fuck it wants with you. Because you can't, like, no matter what direction you go, it can just make you go where it wants you to go.
2: But it does seem like there are pre-planned pathways within the the grass. So if you find the right one, you can get out, as witnessed by the dog escaping. Spoiler alert.
1: That's okay, because the dog still dies before that happens, so... (laughs) technically everybody dies and everybody
2: is still alive at some point in this movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I kind of liked it. Yeah? What about you, Doug? Um, I'm kind of on the fence on it. I, I liked some of the atmosphere and stuff. Uh, I thought there was some of the dialogue that felt very forced. Uh, specifically the scene in the bowling alley where the the brother and the boyfriend start getting at each other, felt very much like, hey, we need some dramatic tension in this scene. Let's make it so these two don't like each other. Um, and and just, yeah, it felt like there was just too many questions that were out there that just we got no explanation for anything that was happening in the movie. And I'm not as comfortable as Noah's just saying, well, Magic Rock did it.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it I, I just have to forgive it that if you if you set up the beginning of the story where you're like hey evil magic rock that can move things inside of the grass like you're like okay well there we go <laughs> evil magic rock thing
1: yeah but I mean uh, like why does that one guy become murderous when he touches the rock but nobody else seems to become murderous when they touch the rock and why if this movie is set in 2019 does Jason Patrick's character have that weird mustache well, there's Patrick a lot, lot of
0: questions,
3: like,
1: sorry, Patrick Wilson, my bad. Well, I was going to say, but uh, you
3: only really see two people touch the rock. Right. And and how do you know that the little kid's not completely murderous? Well, because
1: he tries to help people.
3: Well, well he, he leads that guy to the rock, which is exactly what the dad does.
1: But then the dad yeah. kills everybody.
3: Afterwards, but we lose track of that version of the kid, Right. Yeah, because there's two versions of the kid running around. Right, future kid and
2: past kid. Yeah,
3: yeah. We never see. I think. I think the whole thing is part of part of the story that they're telling you is that kind of because of this weird whatever this fucking time thing is that's going on in there. Basically, every decision that can be made inside of there does get made. So there's kind of this mm. divergent infinite pathways of time that's inside of there. So there's infinite more story that we don't see. Yeah.
1: yeah. But then that gets me back to my original point of if we're seeing bits and pieces of all these different stories, we're to assume that in no version of the stories they run into anybody else, even though we know all those other people because we see all the cars. They're not connected.
2: The Rock didn't why want it that
1: I... way. Alright. <laughs> This I'm, is the, this is the saying, problem with introducing took... magic Into any movie is once you just go well That's because that's how the magic worked in that scene And I'm like okay I can't argue that I'm just saying for me it was it was unfulfilling for me Because it didn't seem like Anybody was doing anything that was I'm, Towards if, a purpose or for a reason
3: If they take the time to explain A rule you have to just give it to them That's I mean I think that's the way it works You have to go it, but they, they, the only t- they, The only they, time it, 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 yeah, But they did the kid, the kid ex- does the whole line of "they're not connected to us." Uh, it,
1: that's not enough for me. Again, though, like, what does that mean? That, that's that's why are these two groups connected? If you could have explained that in some way, they, they just chose not to.
3: I think it's. I think the idea is it's that they interact in the tall grass.
1: That they interact because
3: they're connected, not
1: the other way around.
3: Well, no, I think they're connected because they interact, and I think the only reason why they interact is because the space god rock wants them to. Yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, the, the space rock wanted that baby,
3: so he's just
2: tried, I'm tried trying, to trying to send to people after of, the baby.
3: So let's talk about the the giving birth scene. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out. So is he feeding her pieces of herself? Yes. Or is he feeding her That baby Cause I thought maybe he was Feeding her the baby uh, Also possible
2: So she ate some of her own baby
3: That's what I'm but thinking Cause that's that's that, really that scene I was like Holy shit this is fucked up
0: <laughs> Yeah
2: Yeah it's very It's very fucked up Which is why I kind of enjoyed it cause I'm just like Spending the whole time watching this movie going what the fuck like, seriously, what the fuck? Why was this person dead and now they're alive? And oh my god, is that like seven bodies of the same person because that dude oh, just that keeps killing him?
3: <laughs> See, I thought that that was cool. My only problem with that scene is uh, so, if, have you guys watched the Cube franchise?
2: First one, I refuse to go any further.
3: Okay, so Cube 2 is called Hypercube. And it has to do with a cube that is moving through time and essentially has the exact same plot as this movie where they're they're moving through time as they move through this maze. So they're, you know, they're uh, looping back in on themselves. And like there's a whole thing where one of them goes crazy and starts murdering the other ones and then starts murdering all of the alternate versions of them. (laughs) And there's even a thing where at one point he like kills one and he takes the watch off his wrist and you see him pull up his sleeve and he puts the watch on and he has those watches all the way up his arm because he's killed so many of this guy. But I don't know. Like I said, that that's, you know, it's like, oh, that's cool. But this also reminds me of that really crappy uh, sequel to Cube. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I I don't know. I haven't seen the Cube franchise in so long that I won't comment on it.
3: I mean, it's pretty easy to explain. Cube 1, really, really good low-budget indie horror film. Cube 2, shit trash sci-fi horror film. Cube 3, what in the fuck,
1: please stop. I mean, that is how I remember them, but that's...
2: What's interesting is this movie was directed By the same guy that directed the first Cube
1: Yeah Is that right? Oh did mm-hmm. you not know that? I thought that's why you brought Cube up No, no, I no
0: idea <laughs> It's I, <just> yeah. coincidence.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's hilarious
2: He didn't do the second one as far as I know But he at least did the first one
1: I think, Yeah, I think he only did the first
2: one Yeah, he also did that oh. movie Splice Yeah. Oh, that was not good
1: that's why I was excited for this, because I really? like both of those movies. Like, the original Cube, I liked it, even though I haven't seen it in a long time, and I liked Splice a lot.
3: Hmm. I was going to say, Cube Cube good, Splice not good.
1: Well, I disagree, but whatever. We're here to argue about a completely different movie, so let's get back to that. Wow.
2: Apparently, he was also uh, a storyboard artist on Ginger
3: Snaps. Interesting. Were you guys... Were you guys a little disappointed that we don't get any deeper explanation of the crazy grass faced people?
1: Yes, that's a. <laughs> uh, you're going to find the constant complaint I have about this is we don't get any ex- explanation for, and then insert whatever happened during the scene. I feel like
3: I feel like the bad thing is, especially with the fact that this guy directed Cube. Now, is that they could probably do twenty sequels <laughs> about other people going into the tall grass. Well yeah. They could just get bad and try to add explanations where apparently the lack of explanation was better.
1: That's your hope? Is that if they make up bad sequels I'll revisit this and like it? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I again like those guys were cool looking with the grass faces and shit, but I don't know who, I don't know who they were or why they were in this movie. I assume because the rock wanted them there is going to be your explanation and I'm fine with it. Whatever.
3: Well, once again, I'm assuming it has something to do with the time thing and that they're supposed to represent some kind of freaky ancient tribe of people that worshiped the rock. But sure. I mean, that's completely conjecture because they don't. (laughs) <laughs> they don't give you enough information to justify
1: yeah. that thought. See what – this is another, another issue I have with it though is it's like you introduce all these ideas. That idea is only interesting if you explore it a little bit and they don't. Like the idea of the church across the street and if there was this weird – history of all these different groups showing up and worshipping the rock you know, why would they worship this rock how did they worship this rock if they every time they went into the tall grass to go worship it they died it doesn't really make a lot of sense right they use the word redemption a lot like the church is referred to as uh, has the word redemption in the title and the, the one guy keeps saying that the rock will provide them redemption but that, I don't know what that means in the context of this film it's never explained
3: I don't know Because none of the
1: main characters ever touched the rock to find out Yeah Well you're saying that every decision got made So they did touch the rock The filmmakers just chose us not to show not show us that timeline right Yeah Exactly yeah. see now you're catching on <laughs> Yeah So it's not, the, it's not the rock's fault that I didn't like this movie It's the fucking filmmakers because they showed the wrong timeline That's what you're telling me
3: <laughs> I don't know. And I I suppose another reason why I might like this a little bit more than I should is because it's Stephen King. My brain naturally uh, connects it into the weird dark tower world crossing bullshit that all of his books have. And that maybe this thing is some kind of uh, evil twin to like the it monster and uh, he who walks behind the rose and children of the corn. And that maybe they're all crazy space rock monsters that just – Landed on Earth. <laughs>
1: It was just like it was one big meteor that broke up on it while it entered the atmosphere.
3: I don't know. They're all, like, separate. They're all weird Lovecraftian <clears throat> space gods set in a weird Stephen King universe. So we, I just like... need,
1: we just need a yeah. whole bunch of space turtles to take them all out.
3: <laughs> well, the turtles did. Solid.
1: <laughs> no, but if this movie has time jumping in it, you can just go back Ooh. to a time.
3: You're right. There you the go. German still alive in this movie.
2: Uh, it's an interesting thing. Apparently, James Marsden was supposed to play Patrick Wilson's role, but he uh, had scheduling issues because he was shooting scenes for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that ultimately got cut out of the
1: movie. Oh. I think he just refused
2: to grow the mustache. <laughs> it's like, fuck no, I ain't growing that mustache. Patrick Wilson's like, I'll do it.
1: I think he made the right decision. I'd rather be in a cut scene from a Tarantino movie than this. If he knew those scenes were going to get cut, you would have uh, made the same decision. Ouch. Doug throwing fire
3: at the movie. Oh, my God. Uh, The IMDb for this, the very first uh, review is like three stars. And it just says, idiots, if you hear a kid crying from a field, you don't go into the goddamn field. You just call the cops. Apparently, he doesn't understand, like, what a plot device is.
1: And to be fair... uh, I'll defend the movie to this much: to say she does. As they're walking into the field, she's trying to call nine one one. The phone, go, the phone gives out. Presumably because that's what the space rock wanted.
0: Yeah.
2: Damn you don't leave. You don't leave your pregnant sister who just who was just sick. A movie of bad decisions.
0: <laughs> hmm.
1: It's so weird too. Like. Again, like if we're now, we're getting real nitpicky at this point, and I acknowledge that. Okay. The, the fact that he pulls into the church parking lot and parks the car, and the implication is that everybody else does that as well. Mm-hmm. It's like if you think you're just wandering a, a few feet into this grass to help a kid find his way out, why would you feel the need to pull the car right off the road like that? And why does everybody feel the need to park in the exact same spot? Oh.
3: It's
1: a for rock. <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> There's nothing in the movie that I that I recall that implied that the rock's power uh, went beyond the edge of the grass, though. So that's where I look at it and go, like, that's why it had to use these people to call others in. So why were all these people coincidentally stopped at the same spot? Why, why were they all pulling their – because well, into the same it's, church park. None of it makes sense.
3: Because I'm assuming that's near where the the rock is. I'm assuming its influence only goes so far so it, that that has to be the spot where people no, start to I, order to I, get sucked I, into it.
1: I feel like it was relatively clear that the influence ends at the line of the grass. That's probably why the grass ends there.
3: Well that can't be 100% true because that guy teleports into that back room of the church.
1: <laughs> no, because did he I, did he go out one of the exits?
3: He would, remember because the guy the guy runs him through, throws the kid through that bit of the grass, and it, he it, like teleports him into the back of the church.
1: Right, mm-hmm. but that's a, that's an exit point from where you escape the power of the rock. Right,
3: but but if he can teleport that far, clearly it's got a little bit more range. There
1: just isn't any grass. I don't feel like the rock has control over teleporting you out there because if the rock had control, it wouldn't let you leave. Mm -hmm. But it's
3: what the rock wants. Yeah, maybe the rock was cool. (laughs) Also, because that other dude touched the rock and became a rock slave.
1: Another another random and very nitpicky complaint about this When they're talking about like The wormholes to get them out of there Or exits or whatever They just refer to them as holes so, Hey there's holes all around here that you can go in And you show up outside and I'm like I don't Don't call them that Call them doors or something I don't know <laughs> Very nitpicky at this point but... Gotta get deep
3: in them holes Hmm <laughs> Uh so would
2: we recommend this?
3: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you it's all were right. Listen. My worst, my worst fear. Whenever I started watching this movie, and it started with about ten minutes of them wandering around, shouting for each other, and like jumping and trying to wave at each other and shit, and I was like, "God damn it! If this is fucking open water in a goddamn field, I'm gonna fucking put my foot through this TV because I can't, I can't do that shit. I fucking, I hate that movie. Two hours of people going, oh, we're lost in the middle of nowhere." It's going on the list. (laughs) We will not veto.
1: You don't have veto authority. You always think you have veto authority. I,
3: I, no joke, if we put open water on a fucking episode, I will not come on that episode to record it, because I fucking, I hate that movie that much. I will not watch
2: it. I will not discuss it. Welcome to the open water podcast.
1: Yeah, we're starting a new, a new segment of the show Right between our other movies And listener feedback We discuss open water every week
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I never
3: have to watch Munchies I would rather watch Fucking Dirty Dancing On every single episode That <laughs>
1: sounds like you just put the show together For us Dirty Dancing and Open Water It's both about couples Learning how to get along In unusual circumstances
2: <laughs>
1: uh. I
3: just, I just wish that shark would have hurried the fuck up.
1: Fun fun, fun fact, if that guy had held his wife up over his head like Johnny does to baby, then she wouldn't have got eaten by that shark and
0: everything would have turned out a lot better.
3: Nobody, nobody puts baby in a corner.
1: Oh, except for a shark.
0: There's
1: <laughs> no corners in the ocean, Noah. No corners in the ocean. Now you're starting to see how the themes connect. <laughs> Oh, that fucking
3: movie! I'm angry that I had to think about it.
0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at mndriveinpod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office unspeakable things will be done to you thanks for calling
3: no you guys I'm not I'm not even joking it's the worst that is the worst horror movie you ever made. I really like that movie I, that that is fucking ridiculous how can you like a movie that is two hours of fucking nothing happening nothing happening they're swimming around out there
2: Did you see the? uh, They're
3: not even really swimming; they're just kind of fucking floating
2: there. Did you see one of like the three sequels to it? No, I
1: just yeah, I discussed the uh, part three. That was the. uh, I think it was. I don't think Noah was here that week. I feel like it was one of the weeks when Tony was on the show, and we talked about how they drop a flare in their lifeboat, and that's how they get back in the water (laughs) because it's that level of stupid.
3: You know what? That'd probably be a better movie, because that sounds like something happened. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Did
2: anybody watch anything since last week?
3: I watched the slow rising of my anger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Your anger never rises at a slow pace. I know. Uh, I watched... uh, God damn it That fucking
3: movie It's gonna ruin my whole day um, I watched uh, season 3 Of Big Mouth Okay nah. It's it's good again So like season 1 was really good And then season 2 I thought was a little weaker But season 3 was really good So.
1: See, I, like That's my concern with season 3 I've watched like the first episode And I'm worried that they're falling into Like just the The, the tropes of season 2
3: Yeah I don't know They don't they kind of do their own thing with season three. Although, I don't, I, I just don't know how long this show can go. Because <laughs> there's only so many dick jokes you can make, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, you know? I don't know about that. And they're taking dick jokes to a whole new fucking level, yeah. but still.
1: We'll see. Because if all these kids if they just age the kids up a little bit now instead of it being about thirteen year olds, it's about kids in high school that can actually get laid and stuff that could change the whole dynamic and they just redo a lot of the jokes in that level.
3: If you want to uh, if you want something to look forward to in in typical fashion of that show in their weird theme episodes, they do an entire episode about the school putting on a musical version of the movie disclosure. <laughs> And yes, it's just as ridiculous as it sounds.
1: Well, why does it sound ridiculous? I don't think it does. do <laughs>
3: Just one of the characters running around in a, uh, goddammit, uh, for fuck's sakes, the main actor in the movie, Michael Douglas. He's running around in a Michael Douglas wig <laughs> the whole fucking movie, or the whole show. It's really awesome.
1: Nothing unusual about that from my perspective. <laughs> right.
3: Uh, So I watched that. I went and saw Joker. We already talked about Joker. Spoiler section after the show. Mm -hmm.
1: Ideally. Or possibly you've already had it spoiled for
3: you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Or Brian forgot to (laughs) edit the episode, which we're sorry. He was supposed
3: to. No. Spoilers.
2: I forgot to put the spoiler discussion at the end of the show that one time. And so technically, nobody got spoiled. They just didn't give what was promised to them.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right, you just cut it out and then just did nothing with it. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, and piece. that's... I, I was going to say,
3: and that's pretty much all I've watched. I'm, now I'm trying to catch up. I'm rewatching some of the uh, the older Flash episodes and uh, shit, because I'm going to try to do a quick little catch-up. Mm-hmm. Because I, I want to watch Crisis. But I ah. feel like I, I've been out of the loop for so long because I think I've missed the last two seasons of basically all the shows.
2: Mm. So I missed the last season of all the shows, which is why I caught up over the
3: summer on Netflix. Right. And now and, and then they brought in all this crisis stuff. And I was like, well, no, no, this sounds awesome again. God damn it. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> stupid arrow,
3: shitty writers driving me away and then doing something cool. I am super excited about it. Yeah, it's got fucking everybody. Mm-hmm. I just the only the only thing that could make it better is if they somehow managed to like squeeze in a weird CGI uh, um, Christopher Reeves.
1: Yeah, yeah, that'd make me real happy. I'd be down. For that. So, as an outsider to all of this stuff, how is this crisis thing going to work? Is it going to be like an all season thing, or is it just going to be?
2: I believe it's a five-part crossover that will span yeah. over the mid-winter break. So, like, a couple parts will air, they'll take their mid-winter break, and then they'll continue it. I'm assuming the the break is actually, will actually be a story point. Like, somebody will, okay. somebody, something will happen to somebody, and then they'll probably jump ahead, like, a month or two or whatever for the continuing part. I don't know. We'll see.
3: And I'm assuming I'm assuming they're going to use it as an excuse to finally combine all the yeah. disparate universes. But we'll see. That's the rumor.
1: Because right. so I may actually try to just watch those episodes because it does sound pretty neat. Mm-hmm. But there's no way I'm going back and watching like whatever it is, fifteen seasons of shows that I'd have to watch to get caught <laughs> up.
2: Well, it was pretty interesting last season uh, uh, during their crossover. They made it so the '90s Flash series was one of the one of the Earths in the multiverse,
1: which was awesome. That's that's the one I'm most likely to revisit out of all of them. So. No. So yeah, so he's uh,
2: John Wesley Ship, who you know was Flash in the '90s, um, has been a recurring character across Flash, playing a couple characters actually from the multiverse. So they had him, and it was like, yeah, put him in the '90s suit. We'll just say the '90s series is uh, is one of the years that's getting destroyed. So it's been a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, it's it's interesting what they did because they basically, what I read is some DC executive said that as of this crossover, every DC TV show that has ever been made is now canon. In, a, in disparate I mean, universes.
2: Yeah. So, like, Linda Carter, she showed up on um, Supergirl as a, a different character. But she's apparently going to be playing the 70s Wonder Woman, like the current version of her, from that tactical universe, I guess. And Burt Burt Ward is going to be on it, but there's no word if he's actually going to play Robin or if it's just a,
1: a cameo or should, some of some sort. They should they should definitely put Burt Ward in a Nightwing outfit. That'd be the best.
2: <laughs> oh my
1: god! joke,
3: disco color Nightwing. That would be yeah. the best fucking thing ever.
2: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Tom Welling has come back from Smallville. And the Lois Lane from Smallville is going to be on it, so it's just.
3: It's and they're be. saying the the follow up comic book series is canon, which means he might come in as a Green Lantern. Oh, there well, we go. Because then, uh, did you ever read that season eleven? Mm-hmm. No. It's pretty good. It's basically, he gets a Green Lantern ring, and he becomes the Green Lantern of the uh, sector that Krypton was in. Oh, okay.
2: Yep. So, it's just, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, Helen Slater has also already been on Supergirl as her Supergirl's adopted mom. But this word is that she may be the future version of her Supergirl from the movie she did in the 80s. Nice. So, yeah, it looks like they're going to have a lot of fun with it, which is why I'm super excited.
3: I was going to say, I know we're getting Kingdom Come Superman, which that's pretty dope. Yeah.
2: And Brandon Roth gets to play him, which I feel happy about because I feel like he got shit on. But he I think he was a good Superman. He was just in a shitty Superman movie.
3: Correct.
1: That's how you describe most of the people who have played Superman. Well, that's uh, that's pretty accurate.
2: Well, I mean, after Christopher Reeve, I mean, come on. Christopher Reeve is
1: Superman. Yeah. I, just, I think most of the guys that have played Superman have died, been cast well. Mm-hmm. Hasn't, it hasn't been their fault. The movies haven't been good.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Cavill was really good if they just hadn't have gone all grimdark on it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah.
1: If, if they had taken that version of Superman And made him into Superman That would have been great He looked great for the role He's right. a good actor mm-hmm. They just Then they were like Nah let's not let him be Superman Just because he's playing Superman That's not fun huh.
2: uh, Let's let a tornado kill his dad That would be
1: great Yeah Let's let's do a version of Superman Where the Kents encourage him to let people die Rather than help them Because protecting your own uh, secret identity Is more important than saving lives <laughs> Also, the super fastest thing ever. and There's no reason why you couldn't save him and not cannot be noticed. But whatever.
2: Yeah. See, that's why I like the the '70s one where his his dad just dies of a heart attack because that teaches them as much power as he's got. He can't save everybody.
0: Yeah.
3: Which they should. They is should very put relevant. a. They should put a look-alike of Cavill into Crisis and then just CGI his upper lip so everybody knows who it's supposed to be.
2: <laughs> but CGI a mustache on him for no reason. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> So ridiculous. Um, Doug, what you could do is you could go watch last year's crossover. Because it kind of sets everything up for this crisis. Yeah. <clears throat> Considering this crisis, I mean, they decided like, they announced the crossover, because they usually don't announce them. But they, Everybody knows they're doing a crossover every year. But they usually never announce, like, what? What the plan is? But this one, they announced, like, a year in advance. <laughs> it's like, oh, crisis is coming. We're totally doing it. So everybody's been, like, Shitting their pants, waiting for it.
3: I think it's funny that they had to alter. They had to basically alter the timelines to make it work, though. <laughs> yeah, because they put that. They put a stinger in for it in like season one of the Flash, but it was supposed to happen in twenty twenty four. And now they had to be like, "Oh, we fucked that up."
2: <laughs> now nah, there's explanation for it in the series. If you watch this I, season, I,
3: I know, but apparently they intentionally had to write that. Oh, kills, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, to, to to change it because apparently their original plans got fucked.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it's just a perfect way for them to end Arrow. And I think they didn't realize all of this was going to come down now rather than five years from now.
3: Mitch, has Bad Girl started yet? Uh, Bad Woman, yes. Bad Woman, sorry. Is it good? Yeah. Have you watched it?
2: Uh, there's only been one episode It's not great But I will liken that to The fact that it's a pilot So it's very explainy about everything
3: Yeah, true So,
2: so hopefully as it goes on It will kind of find its footing And figure itself out Yeah,
3: all, all the reviews I've read Sound very, uh Men's rights Activist complaining. <laughs> Mm. That makes sense They're all like oh why are they doing this whole I don't need no man thing And it's like oh shut the fuck up
2: Because because she's a lesbian She literally doesn't need a man
3: For anything She's a a strong female character Acting in the shadow of a strong male character Of course it's a plot point Shut the fuck up
1: (laughs) Putting all that aside What is the explanation is Batman's moved on or something in this? Uh he's been missing for a couple years. Okay, no,
2: nobody knows why.
1: So if they decide to if they decide they want a Batman, they can always have him back. So yeah. Yeah. Idea? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So how did they they did a
3: soft uh pilot for her, right?
2: Uh in the crossover for last last year. Yes.
3: Yeah, she shows up.
2: Yeah, Batwoman so- is is in one episode of the crossover.
3: Is she from another universe
0: again No
3: So they're saying Batman has existed In the current Flash Arrowverse this whole time And just nobody's ever brought up The fact that Batman exists Uh
2: Cisco Well they try to move it back To um The fact that Batman has always been A myth There's never been like a confirmed Sighting of Batman Or whatever Outside of Gotham, okay. So Cisco does drop the line, like, you know, I always read about the myth, but there actually was a Batman, like when they're because they do go to Gotham City. So, all right. So they they try their best. I mean, some of it is still a little eye rolly, but it's just like, eh, what are you gonna do? They didn't know they were gonna be able to do a Batwoman show until recently. So
3: (laughs) were they were they like? apparently Oliver accidentally stole all of his villains somehow.
2: (laughs) I think there's some jokes. Some jokes at some point, but I don't remember. Uh, Did you watch anything else?
1: Nope. What about you, Doug? Uh, Well, keeping up with the theme, I have a very fun story involving DC characters. All right. Because I told my three-year-old that I was going to see a movie about the Joker, and he really wanted to come with me.
2: And I felt... You're like, sure, buddy.
1: I I told him he has to be five before he's allowed to see it. Hopefully he'll (laughs) forget by then, because now that I've seen the movie, I feel he has to be older than five. (laughs) But the next day, when he was pouting about it, I was like, wait a minute. I got something I can show you. I said, so I was going to introduce him to the world of Batman 66. Mm Mm-hmm. Which Fuck is fun yeah. on which is fun on two levels because first I said I'm gonna go downstairs and get a movie to show you, and he looked at me and he said, "How do you go get a movie?" And I'm like I'm gonna bring it up here, and he said, "How do you bring a movie somewhere?" So I had to sit down and explain did you the strangle concept. that child? <laughs> I had to <laughs> explain <laughs> the concept of physical <laughs> medium to him. He didn't get it. He's like, he's like, I'll get the movie. He's like handing me the remote, and I'm like, no, like some movies are actually on. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you explain what a disc is to a three-year-old? <laughs> he didn't yeah. know. Yeah. So that
2: really you should fun. have strangled him. Like, God damn you for making me feel old.
1: Yeah. It's uh, that that was that was interesting. But then once we put the movie in, and I got to just watch this kid just stare in awe at this thing, and remember the fact that while well, Batman 66 is cheesy as hell to adults. It's like genuine drama to a three-year-old. He's completely hooked on it. He's just he's, – it's been on a loop in my house. He just puts it on in the background and he's just – every now and again, he'll be outside in the backyard playing with like the neighbor's kids and he'll be like, quick, to the bat cave and he'll run off and the neighbor's kids look at him like he's nuts. Some days you just can't get
3: rid of a bomb. <laughs>
1: uh, so, So this is an actual thing that happened. The day after I show him him Batman, I leave him alone for a while with someone else. I come back. He's got a a bandage on his leg. And I'm like, oh, what happened, buddy? They're like, oh, he says a shark bit him. (laughs) I'm not done yet. My kid, being the greatest child ever, looks up at me and he goes, daddy, that shark was really pulling my leg. And I fucking broke out laughing.
2: (laughs) This is the best thing ever. Did
1: you,
3: did you immediately buy the uh, expensive box set of all three seasons of the TV show?
1: Well, no. I, I found a, a fun fact. If you are thinking about buying the show, it turns out it's way cheaper to buy the seasons individually than it is to buy the box set, which is funny. Uh, but other fun fact is when I told that previous story to uh, Kingstown Ted, a former Horror Etc host, he gifted my child a box set of all of the – series so oh. we'll be we getting to that now technically he didn't i can't tell you that story about him gifting it because it is a bootleg box set that dates back to before you could legally buy the batman tv show <laughs> but that's all right I don't, I don't think anybody's coming after me for that you know what the nice thing is
3: it also gives you a soft introduction into vincent price
1: yeah, Ooh, Hold yeah. On. Good point. I'm really, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching how my kid reacts to all the lesser villains. Because he, he he knew Joker and Penguin and stuff were did this.
3: Those are actually my favorite episodes, like the King Tut episodes and Egghead and all those.
2: Is he going to be like, Daddy, why is there three, Catwoman?
1: I don't know. We'll have to. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to explain, that. We'll see how it you're, goes. You're like, I don't know,
3: but they're all sexy, son. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Have you considered showing him the animated animated movies?
1: I've considered it, yeah.
2: As a continuation, most, most or does he have time, to go? Does he have to go in order? Because he's like, Dad, I don't understand the continuity of these animated movies. <laughs> well,
1: I'm gonna teach him the word continuity now, just to hear him say it. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see where this all goes. Currently, like today, I suggested we watch the TV show, and he's like, Ah. Uh, Movie, I already know that and I like to watch the same thing over and over again because I'm a child so
2: why didn't you just tell him it was the movie and put the TV show in oh, he, I think he'd notice the quality
1: difference because the movie's a proper, blue, <laughs> a proper DVD and not a not like a VHS rip that somebody made
2: <laughs> have you showed him the uh, animated series no for some
1: reason, he doesn't want to watch superhero cartoons. He loves superheroes. He loves cartoons. I, every time I'm mm-hmm. like, here's a superhero cartoon, he's like, I don't know. No interest in that. I, hmm. I can't figure out the logic, but...
2: Yeah. I mean, this, you, could, you could go the, the live-action Spider-Man TV show from the 70s if you want.
1: Yeah. His friend next door... Tells me that she watches Spider Man every day. She's like a year older than him. She's like, I watch the Spider Man movie every day. And part of me is like, oh, you should show it to Luke. But then I'm really worried. She's talking about Andrew Garfield, so like, unlike <laughs> like, I don't want that being my kid's introduction to Spider Man. So
3: maybe you should make him watch uh, five and a half hours of the Japanese Spider
1: Man TV show. That's oh jeez, yeah. Because what I want is the children Aid Society showing up. I was going, what did you do to your kid? <laughs> Why does he keep screaming a Yaguardon? kicking in the face. He's already got a shark bite on his leg. I got to explain that to daycare. So.
2: Did you buy it? Did you get a bottle and write shark repellent on it and let him run around with it?
1: Not yet. I should. will. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it uh, if you just started spraying his friends with that
0: <laughs>
2: shark repellent. <laughs>
3: You secretly, you secretly give him a can of actual bear mace and just write shark repellent on it.
2: <laughs>
3: You're not going to get me, sharks.
1: Ah, <laughs> works. For a second, I thought you were going to say you actually, you secretly give him a uh, real can of shark repellent spray, and I was going to have to explain that to you. But <laughs> uh,
2: well, that's awesome.
1: So that was that was the highlight of my week, right there. <laughs> Uh, I did watch some other stuff that wasn't nearly as fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, nothing, follow-
2: nothing will top that. I mean, Jesus.
1: No, I should have saved that for the end of the show, to be honest.
2: I'm not even like the hugest Batman 66 fan. Like it's fine. I'm just, I'm not in love with it. Like everybody else is. But if I had a kid and he was that into it, I would watch it with him every day.
1: Yeah. And that's like, I, I'm also not that into it. I am. Like, I enjoy it. Um, and I think I think it's brilliant in the sense that they managed to make something that is funny for adults to watch but that works as like a serious superhero thing for kids. And I think that's genius. But it's not my favorite thing by any, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I do this is the second time I've gotten to introduce it to a kid and it is so much fun to watch it with kids for the first time. So mm-hmm. My one niece still brings it up to me Every now and again She's like Were you trying to turn me into a boy Every day I'd come home from daycare And you'd make me watch Batman I'm not going to make you watch anything you love watching <laughs> Batman <laughs> um, Next thing I watched A follow up to Bram Stoker's Dracula I decided to re-watch Mary Shelley's Frankenstein For mm-hmm. the first time in A long long time um, I've never actually seen yeah, it me. No, the 1994 version with Robert De Niro as the monster
2: Yeah, never got around to watch it
1: It's There's a lot of good things About this version of the movie Um, I think it, it Feels more real than any Other version of Frankenstein out there And the monster Is much more similar to what he is in the book Where he actually learns how to speak properly And actually learns how to read And things like that And Understands that he doesn't fit into in the world and is trying to figure out a way to get by kind of thing. Um, I like that they went that route with it. I do sort of think there's times where they go too far and it's like he's just speaking like a casual person. And I'm like, I don't... I still want him to be a bit of a monster. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's, you know... Um, the, the other issue is Robert De Niro does not do that good of a job Of covering up his New York accent And it, it's a bit of a problem uh, But I, like, I, I don't necessarily recommend people watch this movie And the, the the thing that pushes it over the top Is not not the acting or the portrayal of the characters It's the directing So it's Kenneth Branagh who directed this and He uh First of all, he also gave himself a starring role and it's very much a vanity project where he's like, like during the scenes of reanimation, he's like swinging around on ropes, shirtless and stuff. And it's just like, I don't know if we need to necessarily see that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just a little bit too much of like the way the music plays. It all feels overly theatrical and kind of eliminates all the horror elements of the movie, which is problematic for me. So, I don't know. So, Brian says he's never seen this. No, have you seen this version? Uh, I don't believe so. No. I mean, it was a big deal when it came out, but that was like the 90s, so if you didn't see it at the time, I don't think it has the best reputation and therefore that's probably why people who didn't see it at the time haven't seen it. But yeah, it's it's really, it just... It's not terrible, but it's not. You know, when you when you shoot for doing something very theatrical and over the top, if you're if you're not completely on mark, you tend to be way often. So,
3: good God, Brian, you right. all right? Had to pee. All right. <coughs> Thanks for there's
1: pointing that schedule, out for everybody. There's, there's scheduled break times in the podcast for your personal uh, activities. Next time, uh, get it done at the, at the moment.
2: Yeah. Didn't have to be then. All right.
1: <laughs> well, now you now you missed me explaining why people shouldn't watch Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. So.
2: All right. I'll just um, I'll just accept that because I have never seen it and never really had a big interest to. So. Yeah.
1: Um, and then since it's Halloween, the last thing I watched, I went back to Universal classic and watched The Invisible Man because why not? Mm-hmm. And I don't. The Universal Classics are one of those things You either like them or you don't like them I I fucking love them I think they're great I love the atmosphere that they create in them This one's directed by James Whale Who did the Frankenstein And stuff like that Um, I'm fascinated The fact that Claude Rains puts on a good performance Even though you can't see him through most of the movie He's either completely bandaged up Or he's invisible And it's just a jerk floating in midair. Um, the other thing that blows my mind with the Invisible Man is the special effects. Considering the movie came mm. out in, like the 30s, uh, I'm fascinated by what they were able to pull off special effects-wise. It's nothing that would blow your mind if it came out in a movie today, but you know there is. There's like a shirt walking around the room, and there's a good, you know as if it's talking and. I don't know how you do that in 1930s technology. And there's scenes where he's unwrapping the bandit, the bandages, and there's just nothing underneath. And I, again, in 1930s technology, they didn't have green screens back then. I don't know really what they did. Yeah. So
2: it is, it, it is super impressive for how it turns out on screen.
1: Yeah. So I don't. Know, I really like it. You probably have to hear me babble about different Universal classics for the next couple of weeks as Halloween approaches. <laughs> but.
2: Yeah, the uh, Invisible Man series. I was never
1: a huge fan of, but it's just like, the first one that's good. The rest yeah. of them are not.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein are my two favorite ones.
1: I like, like I like Frankenstein a lot. I like Wolfman a lot. I like Bride of Frankenstein. I like Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Those are like my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite character was always the creature from the Black Lagoon, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's almost separate. It's a different type of thing I guess because he's like Natural and not created Through science and stuff
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, I actually met uh, Rico Browning Played uh, the creature In all the underwater stuff Okay Because he was like An Olympic swimmer Yeah So we interviewed him once And uh, he was a super nice guy Yeah Basically he said The water was really cold So every time They'd bring him out they just give him a, a nip of brandy to warm him up. Yeah. So by the end, of the, were... shoot, end of the shoot, he was like drunk swimming throughout the sea.
1: <laughs> I love that. It's old school days, man. There's something fun about the stories from back then. I know like in Creature 2, like, they built two suits, one that like this Olympic swimmer was in underwater, and then the poor actor on land, they just gave him like a really heavy suit, and that was their way of making him act as if it was hard for him to exist on land because he was a water creature. <laughs> <laughs> like, so he just had to walk around in this super heavy suit the whole time. Like That's I mean, kind of mean and kind of genius. Cause it works. In the movie, it works really well, but I don't know. The old stories are great. Back when filmmaking was uh, different than it is today. Yeah, you could. You couldn't just like you didn't call a computer department and tell them to make what you wanted.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, we'll figure it out on the set.
1: So yeah, uh, that's all I watched. So hmm. not that much this week. But, oh yeah, I don't. T- have. Technically I watched that Batman movie like four times. It's, it's been <laughs> on a loop in my home.
2: So. Uh. Yeah, back in the back in the day when when you would just watch a movie like a billion times. Yeah. You can't so much do it anymore. Which is weird because I still buy movies, but I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. There's too, there's too much available now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, despite there being a lot available, I only watched two things this week. Uh, as mentioned... Uh, me and Amanda are going to go through the entire Nightmare on Elm Street series this month. Um, so we got through the original Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, you know, which is amazing, and I don't really need to talk about it. It's just fantastic. Loved it. Moving on. Uh, then we watched Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Uh it's been like over twenty years I think since I watched the second one. Oh really? Yeah, because I just was like, this is not good, and then would just never watch it.
1: Now you're completely caught off guard by how high quality a film it is.
2: Well I was hoping, I'm like, well, I haven't watched it in like twenty years. I'm I'm an adult now. Maybe like I'll be able to see something in the movie. But like, oh, I was completely wrong about this movie. It's it's actually tackling some uh some interesting ideas and uh, you know. Got some stuff going for it. As we know, there's like a bunch of like gay overtones and stuff in it, so maybe I'll find like some some fun nuance or something in in this viewing. Uh now it's still pretty terrible. It's just this weird story where like, well We uh we didn't get anybody to come back except for Robert England. So let's just just make it so somebody moves into her house and that'll be enough of an explanation of why Freddy is bothering this kid
1: yeah and then not bring up the fact that Freddy is a completely different set of powers than he had in the first movie
2: yeah yeah he could just possess him and basically turn this Jesse kid into Freddy out in the real world I'm like that doesn't make any goddamn sense whatsoever
1: no, no.
2: so still was not good. One of the things that really irritated me because uh, I'm a big fan of continuity. I like it when stuff makes sense. And, uh, you know, the layout of the house was a little different. And I was pissed (laughs) off the whole time. Like, he's supposed to be in Nancy's bedroom, and I'm like, but... That closet is on the completely wrong wall. What the fuck? And I'm like, that's not where the kitchen is? God damn this fucking movie. Never mind the fact that it's just all around kinda of not good anyway.
1: Yeah. There are some neat visuals in it and stuff. And like that party scene at the end is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's not a well constructed film. No. And like it there's just it's so obvious that this was not a film written for Freddy and that they obviously wrote the script for somebody else and just stuck that character in because they mm-hmm. must have owned the rights or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really frustrating.
2: Yeah, so did not enjoy it. Still understand why it's my least favorite nightmare movie. Uh, I am interested in checking out the uh, the new documentary that just came out, Screen Queen the The main guy made a documentary about how he was gay in Hollywood, but he was still in the closet when he did this movie, and how it ended up kind of ruining his career because because the movie was just fucking terrible and all the gay overtones and stuff in it, and just how that's affected him and all that stuff. So interested in checking that out whenever it becomes available. It's
1: kind of weird that not that long ago, having gay overtones in a movie. Can- Somehow ruin somebody's career. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then uh, you know everybody connected with it denies it like f- for decades, and then finally the writers like, oh yeah, I wrote all
1: that shit in.
3: <laughs> on purpose.
1: Oh, it's, I mean, if you haven't watched the movie in a while, watch it. It's pretty obvious that, that was there on purpose. Oh, yeah. And that's whatever. It is what it is.
2: Yeah. It's an interesting idea. It's just... It's attached to a, a really shitty sequel to Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Like, if they could have... If, if the story and just the execution would have been better, it definitely may have been a more interesting approach to it, but...
1: Yeah. It, I think, that? too, like... Trying to add a... Like, some kind of, like, messaging into what's essentially a, a slasher. Mm-hmm. Um... It's just one of those strange things, really. I don't know that the audience... The audience isn't looking for a message going into that type of movie. So it's going to put people off who might otherwise be... Willing to accept your message in a different film. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Still does not work for me. Which is kind of a bummer. I was hoping... Uh... It may have changed with time, but apparently not. Um... Oh, I did read uh, that that uh, Robert England asked for a raise for this movie, and they said, uh, f- "Fuck no, we'll just get a stunt guy to wear all this shit." And then they shot for like a couple days, which I think is the shower scene in the school, like when he comes walking out of the the steam or whatever. Yeah, that—that's whoever else they hired and then they realized they had made a gigantic mistake, and so then rehired Robert England.
1: Oh, thank God,
2: because could you right? imagine
1: what would have happened if they didn't rehire him? Yeah. Because, I mean, the series gets so much better right away that you're just mm-hmm. like...
2: Yeah, the the, the oh. next movie is considered, like, probably... the argue, arguably the best of the series, so you could go back and forth if the first one or the third one's the best one, but... but that's basically That's the
1: only argument That exists So and that's Yeah There's good reason
2: Yeah So yeah. yeah If they would've kept Just generic stuntmen Sort of like with the Jason Movies That would've been terrible Uh and that's all I watched Did you get a chance to watch The new Creep Show episode?
1: I have not yet uh, neither did I I was hoping you had We might have two episodes to talk about next week. Yeah. See how that goes. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future.
2: Well, Doug, why don't you tell us what we're watching next week?
1: Uh, Well, trying to stick with the theme of horror films for October, but at the same time trying to do movies that are ridiculous so that they... Fit our mandate for the show of doing things that are <laughs> ridiculous. We've got uh, Dr. Giggles next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, we teamed that up with The Dentist, which I have not seen in a long time. <laughs> I'm sure, how well that one's going to hold up, but we'll see. I'm reasonably confident I'm going to enjoy watching Dr. Giggles.
2: Yeah. Have you, have you seen both of these before?
1: Yeah, but I don't think I've seen either one of them since the 90s.
2: Seems like I saw Dr. Giggles within the last, like,
1: five years or
2: so. But yeah, I haven't watched The Dentist since it was on, like, HBO right after it came out, so.
1: Yeah, there is a sequel to it. I don't know if you've seen that. I have not. I I don't believe I ever saw the sequel, but...
2: Mm. It's going to have to go on the list. But,
1: yeah, Killer Doctors next week, so... (laughs) part of our anti-doctor agenda that we're always trying to push <laughs> on this podcast.
2: <laughs> Don't go in there, they'll kill you. And uh, sadly, Noah's not going to be here next week. Yeah, vacation. Are you gone for one week or two weeks? I can't remember. One week. Okay. So we can definitely do Munchies and Ghoulies next week. And then do Dr. Giggles and the dentist the week after.
3: I like Doctor Giggles.
1: Oh, shit! Could you give give us a list of the movies on the on the list that you like and the weeks you won't be around so that we can arrange around this? (laughs) Really, really? The dentist. The dentist is one I
3: don't mind not having to watch again.
0: Mm.
3: No, you don't get to teeth stuff. Teeth stuff gets me. Oh,
2: should have said that gonna be an all teeth month at some point.
3: I mean it's not that bad. It's just like it's one of the few things that would ever watch in a horror movie that'll go Bleh! you know <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> Now is it the destruction of teeth that bothers you or is it like
3: just, it teeth just in general? It does not take much at all like uh in uh what is it? The don't be afraid of the dark like, just the start of that, the, the remake, whenever you hear the chisel scrape the person's teeth, that's, that's just unbearable.
2: Because, <laughs> like my friend Dave doesn't like teeth in general. Anything to do with teeth, he's not a fan of. So I kept sending him pictures of the, the tooth child from uh, the first season of uh, Channel Zero. And he was not very happy with me.
3: Oh yeah, see that doesn't bother me I'm trying to think, there's a horror movie It's not The Dentist, it's another one That a dude's getting his teeth drilled And it, it's showing it And basically the dentist accidentally breaks his tooth in half And even that Like Makes me want to scream like a small child And run out of the room <laughs> it Was it Marathon Man?
1: I cannot remember Oh I don't believe that anybody accidentally breaks any teeth in Marathon, and I believe they're oh, all yeah. intentional.
2: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: So, do you know what I just learned? Because my phone bleeped and I would, didn't really want to listen to Noah talk, so I read what it said. Son bitch. So, apparently, uh, Kevin Smith and J Muse were supposed to be in WWE this week. Oh, yeah. But, but they showed up at AEW last week, and so they got canceled from. WWE? Did you guys know about all this? Yeah, yeah.
2: I watched AEW last week. That
1: it was, sounds.
2: It was funny because okay. I'm sitting, there, I'm sitting there watching it, and uh, it's like the first match. And I'm like, okay. And then, like, somebody gets thrown out of the ring against the barricade, and I'm like watching it, and all of a sudden, I just see like a purple like suit jacket, and someone wearing like a backwards white baseball cap. And I was like, huh, that dude looks like Kevin Smith. Dude next to him looks like kinda like Jay Wait, that is Kevin Smith and Jay What the fuck? They're just sitting front row? <laughs> and then I And then I remember that Kevin Smith and Chris Jericho had become pretty good friends after being on each other's podcast.
1: Yeah, and they so were on each like, other's podcasts again this week, so
2: Yeah, I was like, okay, if that makes sense then. And then I'm just sitting there. And then uh, they actually like interview him. Like oh, they come really? back, come back from commercial break, and they're standing there with Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes promoting Jay and Silent Bob reboot. He's in the middle of talking, and then all of a sudden you see him look off to the side, like questioningly, like "What the fuck's going on?" And he just says, "Who are these fools?" And like two two wrestlers come out and are like heckling him and Jay or whatever, and then of course another tag team comes out and stands up for jay and bob and then they fight of course okay <laughs> but it was just funny i'm just like what the fuck is going on <laughs> kevin smith and jay but then oh. it was funny because like later on i'm looking and kevin smith is still sitting front row but like jay is like disappeared like i don't know if he went backstage or just whatever but i just imagine him being like yo i'm gonna go and kevin smith's like no, I'm going to fucking stay here and watch this. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) He just sat there the whole rest of the show. I mean, I guess
1: it it makes sense, right? You show up on other people's stuff when you're trying to... And they were also on, like, Stephen Colbert or something like that this week. It's like Mm -hmm. they're promoting their new movie. It's not shocking that they would go on other shows. But I find it kind of funny.
2: Yeah, then apparently Kevin and Chris Jericho were on on someone else's podcast and they were talking about it. And, yeah... after their appearance on AEW, WWE got a hold of him. Was like, um, "You're no longer, you're no longer uh, needed for
1: SmackDown this week." That's that's fucking really petty. That does not make WWE look good. You, especially when you do that to Kevin Smith, you know he's gonna fucking tell everybody. Like, oh yeah.
0: He's
1: just he's probably just wandering around LA right now, just stopping people on the street to talk to him about it, like. <laughs> And if they listen to that whole story Now they gotta hear about his heart attack That's it Like he's just He's exactly. not gonna stop <laughs> <laughs> Fucking loves to talk
2: Yeah So yeah I don't know WWE's kinda Kinda peeing in their pants right now Because of AEW So
1: Yeah I don't I, don't, I haven't been following any of it But I'm just like
3: They their, The first episode of AEW Actually had like Measurable market share pull From one of their programs which is kind yeah. of a big deal.
2: Yeah. So yeah, AEW. Um, do you know who Cody Rhodes is? I don't know how long it was before yeah. you stopped watching. So basically, he was doing that Stardust character, which was essentially like a gold dust type thing with his brother. And he's like, I really don't want to do this anymore. I just want to go back to being myself. And they're like, No, nah, you're gonna stay. You're gonna stay a Stardust. So he's like, can I just, can you just fire me, please? And they're like, all right. So then he went on the indie scene and did, like, all these crazy, like, things that had never been done before where he was showing up for multiple, like, decent-sized promotions and stuff. And basically just made himself super marketable. And then teamed up with a tag team called The Young Bucks. And basically they put on their own show and sold it out. And then uh, the Cons, who own, I think the North Carolina Panthers, I don't know, one of the big football teams, uh, is a big wrestling fan, and he's like, "So I really like what you guys are doing with your with these independent shows that you're putting on by yourself that are like selling like WWE like level tickets for not you know having any major." television coverage, would you like to just create a wrestling company? We'll all work on it together. And they were like, yeah. So they pretty much got like a huge financial backing. Apparently this guy is listed higher on the Forbes list of, of, uh, of how much he's worth than Vince McMahon is. So, I mean, he's got shit tons of of money to throw at this so then they got a television deal with TNT which of course back in the day used to run WCW stuff and this whole time WWF's been saying like oh we're not we don't consider them competition whatsoever like that's that's cute and adorable that they're starting up their own company we're not we're not worried whatsoever so then they announced, of course, that they were going to do a show on Wednesday nights on TNT, and then immediately WWE was like, uh, "We got this NXT show that's that's on exclusively on our network. We can put that on TV uh, suspiciously on Wednesday nights at the exact same time." And I don't know if they thought they were just gonna.
1: Sounds like they were bullying them.
2: Yeah. And they've been trying to lock people down into contracts to keep them from leaving and going to AEW because a couple of the big wrestlers, including Chris Jericho, signed with them.
1: Yeah, I know Jericho said on uh, on one of the, his podcasts that he's kind of proud of getting all the WWE guys big raises.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and he's apparently said that this contract with AEW is the most lucrative contract he's ever had in his entire career. So they're obviously paying... Decent money for people I think they're paying Yeah they're paying
1: decent money And like with guys like him He's not working that many dates I don't think
2: Yeah So yeah So then uh, So then yeah Oh not competition Not uh, We're not worried whatsoever So then uh, They start the show Two weeks before AEW Premieres on TNT And then uh, Finally the day comes And uh, AEW's first episode and, of course, they're presenting NXT, which is their Wednesday night show, th- uh, with limited commercial interruption, is what they're saying. So they're trying to pull out the stops to, to uh, beat them in the ratings already, for as much as they're saying they don't consider them competition. And AEW ended up getting like, uh, like uh, one and a half million viewers. Where NXT only got like eight hundred thousand. So then of course everybody's just like, oh, they getting spanked. And so WWE sends out this this like press release. One of the most passive aggressive things ever. Congratulating AEW on their successful launch, but reminding everybody that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And everybody's just like, what the fuck? It would have been better if you just would have said nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but you you keep saying you're not worried, but you sound a little worried. And so their second episode was yesterday, and AEW once again beat them in the ratings. So I think Vince is getting a little, a little worried. I'm not saying it's going to be like the level of the Attitude Era or anything, but there's at least another big company that's willing to pay people decent money which is I would say is good for everybody
3: So I mean shit, all they really needed to do was give them a fucking health insurance uh,
2: yeah they're doing, they're doing that with some of them um, cause there's some people who do other things outside of just uh, being in the ring they do other facets for the business and so they're coming up with ways to make sure that as many people as possible get health care, which everybody's very happy about. So it's an interesting time to be a wrestling fan right now. And there's pretty much a wrestling show every day of the week. So you got Monday Night Raw, and then uh, Impact Wrestling is moving to Tuesdays. Now you got NXT and AEW on Wednesday. The fuck is on Thursday? Something's on Thursday. I don't remember. And then SmackDown's on Fridays now. And then NJPW and WOW Women of Wrestling uh, both have shows on Saturdays. And then Ring of Honor has a syndicated show, which usually airs on either Saturday or Sunday, depending on which station it's on.
1: There's was that much wrestling on TV right
2: now. Oh yeah, there's so many options going on right now.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I was over at
3: uh, the lady friend's mom's house last weekend for her birthday, and they get one of those weird channels that I can't even remember, but because they've got uh, DTV, and it had like uh, mm. Women of Wrestling and New yeah. Japan and all that kind of. I yeah. was like, yeah,
2: yeah, Access TV. And the company that owns Impact Wrestling just bought a majority share in Access TV. So they're going to start airing Impact on Tuesdays on that channel too. Yeah, Wow is kind of fun because it's it's created by the same guy that did the original uh, Glow back in the 80s. Oh. So it's still got a little bit of that sort of campiness to it, which is kind of fun. And it's yeah, just. But it's a
3: lot cleaner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's.
2: It's it's a decent looking product, and they actually got women who can wrestle decently in it. So, yeah. yeah you ain't to get back into wrestling, Doug. It's
1: a lot of pressure.
2: They
1: <laughs> have to start putting this shit on Netflix or something for me to watch it. <laughs> I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can ever get back into like waiting for something to start.
2: Yeah, I was DVR everything. Yeah,
1: I don't think you guys want my to watch
0: list getting any longer than it is now. <laughs> <laughs> what did you watch this week, Doug? I sat in front of my DVR for
1: four and a half hours trying to find something to watch. There's too much. I gave up. <sighs> yeah, considering what, what day that, is this?
2: Considering Monday Night Raw is three hours now.
1: Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's three hours every week now? I know like, I'd seen people post about it being three hours. I didn't realize that was every week.
2: Every week. Requested by USA because their ratings do halfway decent, so they wanted a third hour. Most fans and a lot of people who work in WWE don't actually enjoy the just three hours because it stretches everything too thin, but.
1: Well, you'd think that... In order to go three hours, they would have more people on.
2: They do, but it's just a lot of it's filler garbage.
1: Yeah. I did try to, I think I probably told you guys, I tried to watch wrestling once last summer just because I was somewhere and it was on, and I didn't make it. I lasted like 10 minutes and was like, no. (laughs)
2: Like, this sucks. I do have to say, I usually watch WWE stuff on fast-forward. So I just kind of keep up with the storylines. But I'm like, okay, this is boring. Fast-forward. Then if I see something exciting happen, I'll stop, rewind a little bit. But
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, that's... I find that weird, though, because it's almost like people are watching it out of a sense of obligation rather than because they actually want to. Yeah, pretty much. Or because... Because there's not a better option, it might be the way to think of it. But now
2: there is. You can watch AEW. It's been good so far. I mean, it's only two episodes, but, you know.
1: It so, had pay per views, it had multiple pay per views before they had a TV show. And people bought that.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was. So, it was. Uh, Cody and the Young Bucks were both working for Ring of Honor. Okay. And somebody asked David Meltzer, who do you even know who David Meltzer is? I recognize the name, yeah. kind of. He's a sports journalist who covers a lot of wrestling. Someone asked him on Twitter if he if uh, if they thought Ring of Honor, since it's kind of a smaller company, would ever be able to sell out like a ten thousand seat. Uh, venue for an event and he said not anytime soon to which then Cody on Twitter says I'll take that bet and then him and the Young Bucks got together and sort of set up an independent show but used the infrastructure from Ring of Honor to like facilitate a lot of stuff and so they got it all set up, got a venue, got the date locked down, tickets went on sale website crashed and then they completely sold it out within like half an hour and to which David Meltzer was like, All right, well, obviously I was wrong. Like, he's at least like, was very supportive about it. He's like, Go for it. So then they put the show on. It was kind of the biggest thing outside of WWE because they brought in like a lot of independent wrestlers and stuff that a lot of people knew but who weren't signed to a major company. So they put the show on, it did pretty well. And that's when the the Tony Khan guy came approached them to set up like a company, and then they put on like three or four more shows uh, while they were still getting the TV deal all set up. So they they essentially were a company, but they didn't have a TV deal set in place. They put on some pay per views while they were getting it all worked out, and uh, the second show they did. Uh, so the first show sold out in, like, half an hour. Second show they did, 12,000-seat arena in Vegas, sold out in four minutes. So people were obviously completely into just knowing that there's something different than WWE. And so they kind of jumped on the bandwagon and that pushed them into signing up with TNT and stuff. Like, people took notice and like, oh, yeah, this this would be... This would be a profitable thing to have on our channel. So of all channels, TNT showed up, which had WCW and then dumped it because it was, you know, they were trying to get out of the wrestling business in 2000.
1: Didn't they, when TNA was the thing that was on TNT too, wasn't it? No. Oh, okay, what do I know?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, they they did sort of the same thing too, where they just had monthly pay-per-views, and then they finally got a TV deal on... Some lower tier channel, but then after WWE left Spike TV, Spike picked the TNA up. But then after that, they started, they jumped around to like a ton of different TV channels just because they were making horrible business decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But yeah, and they even got Tony Schiavone. He's back in the announce booth with Jim Ross. So. They kind of got the old-school announcers from back in the day working for them. And, uh, yeah. They've done the smart thing by hiring Chris Jericho, and then they're sort of building everything out around him. Because like, he ended up winning their world championship or whatever. And so all the storylines right now are kind of revolving around him. And since he's really good at what he does, he's able to help them... Push things and recommend things, and yeah, it's all working out really well. Yeah,
1: sounds interesting. interesting. I have well, I have watched some of the highlights. of The matches look like they're pretty good.
2: Mm-hmm. It's much more focus, much more wrestling focus. Yeah. Like they don't have backstage segments at all, which I think is something they picked up from New Japan because they don't really do anything backstage. And uh, apparently there's no writers Like they all just kind of sit down And come up with kind of How the show's gonna go I mean obviously they have plans laid out For how far out they want to go But they, they don't have like a writer's room Like WWE does So,
1: well, Last time somebody pissed uh, Vince off We got the Attitude Era So maybe something cool will happen though
2: Right? That's what I'm hoping
1: It'll be good for everybody
2: well, I'm sure everybody loved our wrestling talk. If they're still around,
1: yeah, yeah. You almost have to cut that out. Put it in after the Joker talk. <laughs> A lot, lot of editing for you this week.
3: We'll probably get an email talking about how wrestling isn't real.
2: It's real to me, damn it.
3: Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Were you going to rail against people uh, not being able to shut the fuck up about Joker?
2: Uh, no,
3: because I
2: honestly don't care. I have zero interest in seeing that movie, so...
3: You should go see it.
2: Me, yeah. I've already listened to a review which spoiled everything for me, and I went,
3: eh, that's kind of dumb. And then I didn't, didn't really care. I, mean, I, I don't think it really has spoilers.
1: I, I don't think it's possible to spoil that movie, because I don't think anybody, including the makers of the film, actually know what it's about, so... <laughs> Which is kind of what makes it a perfect Joker movie. Like I, yeah. I don't know if we, I don't know if we should spoil it. Assuming you have hit record by now, but oh yeah, it's uh,
2: go ahead and spoil it. I'll put I'll put it at the end, and everybody can uh, can listen.
3: Well, are you are you going to actually do that, or are you going to forget to edit it and leave all the spoilers yeah. in the beginning of the show? I'll do it. Anyways, all right, so. Like it says you can't you can't spoil it. It's about a, a guy who becomes the Joker like
1: for fuck's yeah. sake. But I think what's I think what's really neat about it is you can literally interpret it as any because it's entirely told from his perspective. And he's so unreliable as a narrator and we see that sometimes he's intentionally drifting into fantasy worlds and sometimes he's accidentally drifting into fantasy worlds and sometimes he clearly sees things that are not realistic. I think you could just go, yeah, if there's a part of the movie you didn't like, well, that just happened in his head, or you can pick any point you want in the movie and be like, I think this is the part where everything after that is just in his head. And I've seen like people pick like several different points and say that, and I'm like, they are, they're all right. They're all creating a valid point. And that's consistent with that's what makes this a perfect Joker movie because that's what he is, right? He's supposed to be ambiguous. He's supposed to not make sense. His origin story is not really supposed to be set in stone. And they, they, I can't believe they pulled that off because I thought that would be the one thing that would be annoying would be even if I liked the movie, I, always, I assumed I'd be like, well, I don't like having a definitive origin for the Joker. But in this case, they're like, we still, he still doesn't have a definitive origin, right? Right. Like Even just, like, whatever's wrong with him that causes him to behave the way he does. Like, we know he's got, like, severe mental illness, which he was born with. We also know that he was abused as a child. We also know he's mistreated as adults. And we know that he's got a head injury that's bad enough to have caused certain uh, behaviors, such as, like, his uncontrolling laughter. So we're like, it's a weird mix of all that stuff that causes him to be the guy that he is. And then some stuff happens to him or nothing happens to him we're not sure right like theoretically this whole movie could take place in a guy's head or various portions of it could and without knowing any of that it's it it is really neat how it's an origin story that never locks anything down yeah I'd agree with that
3: I mean it kind of ended the way I said I wanted it to end with him just telling the story to somebody (laughs) Which yeah. is which is fucked up. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was good. I thought like the cinematography's fucking awesome. Yeah, the acting's fucking great. It, yeah. At times, the writing is a little loosey goosey, but besides that, like complaining like about it. the writing whenever you have good performances is seems dumb.
1: Yeah. And again, like we're we're getting everything from the perspective of a an unreliable narrator. So you could just say, well, maybe the person said a rational, logical thing, and that guy misinterpreted it. <laughs> um, that's how I write off any complaints anybody has about the movie. Yeah,
3: most of the most of the criticisms I've seen of it seem to be people projecting their own bullshit into the movie instead of actually judging the movie as a movie.
1: I- yeah, like I've, I've I've definitely heard people complain that it's not, there's it's not enough comic booky, and I'm like, yeah, sure, that's a fair complaint, right? Uh, they, like that that doesn't bother me, but it certainly is the least comic booky movie that's ever been made out of a comic book.
3: Um, I, I, had somebody try to say it's like a Incel fantasy movie, and I was like. What the fuck are you talking about? And they're like, well, yeah. it's racist and it's misogynistic and it's all. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, <laughs> like at all. None of none of those things apply.
1: I don't. Like, think it's racist at all.
3: Yeah. They no. He said it was racist because there's only the one black character, and the one black character is the uh, the social worker that doesn't care about him and is just you know there for a job and all. The, and I was like, I think you're reading way too much into that.
1: Well, also the if we interpret the girlfriend character as being real, then she's there and she's right, black, isn't she? And then the doctor, at, the doctor at the end of the movie was black because there's a lot of people commenting on how one of the theories about it being all in his head involves the the construct of the social worker being based on the doctor at the end because they look very similar.
3: Right. Although that might just be racist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just they I, well they, no that's why they put a third black woman in so i can't say they all look alike right. only two out of the three look alike <laughs> um but i don't
3: know yeah. i thought it was i thought it was it's less violent than people say it is like it just kind of gets violent at the end and i like the fact that like the it doesn't people think it's a preachy movie but it doesn't seem to be that preachy about anything well, it I, seems to actually just be mentally Mentally unstable person, plus lack of support structure, plus lack of mental health availability,
1: plus gun equals bad. Like it doesn't seem like a very preachy stance to take, does it? Well, I think a lot of people are trying to, are trying to read it into people people who want to be upset about the movie are trying to say that like oh it's supporting like violent revolution against the one percent or whatever and I'm like no because. In order for you to think that this movie's in favor of that stuff, you have to presuppose that this movie treats the Joker as a good guy. And everybody fucking knows the Joker's not a good guy. Because even even at one point, he says, like, right into the camera, basically, like, what do you get when you mix, like, a mentally handicapped person and a society that mistreats him? You get what you deserve or whatever, something to that effect. And it's like, yeah, but that's the fucking Joker saying that. He's trying to justify his own behavior at that point. So right, it's like, right. of, of course, he's going to try to make excuses for it. But I, I just,
3: I was going to say, and people are into the whole, the fact that, you know, the people start putting on the clown masks and rioting and shit and how everybody's like, yeah, but it's it's like this. It's this worship of this murderer guy. And I was like, I don't think that's what they're going for. I think what they're saying is you have all these people that are kind of like pissed off and in a hard place and all it takes Is inspiration for people to fucking lose their shit. I mean, that's literally what fascism is. A bunch of people having a hard time, and somebody stands up and goes, you know what we should do? We should kill the Jews, and everything gets better. You know what I mean?
1: No, I agree with what you're saying, but then to add to that, that's all based on a real event. The idea of a guy who's been mistreated or believes himself to have been mistreated taking a gun into the subway and looking for an excuse to kill people... And then a lot of society thinks like, yeah, that's just OK because we're, we're fine with him doing that because we're tr- – we, we just want the world to be cleaned up. That's that's the – what's his name? that Bernie Getz or whatever his name was? Right. Like that's that exact incident. OK, yeah, the comic booked it up with the masks and stuff. But other than that, there's a lot to it. Except the actual the actual real event was a lot more racist than the movie one that people are complaining about. Yeah. I like the
3: fact that they tried to another review. I said they were trying to justify the Joker as like being initiated into violence out of self-defense. And it's like, well, that's kind of like the first guy he kind of shoots him because he's being attacked. But then he immediately chases that guy down and shoots him like eight times in the back while he's laying there bleeding. You know what I mean? Yeah like it's it's obvious that he was looking for an excuse
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's very clear that he that he i don't know if i'd say he takes joy in the killing but he finds it powerful to have that have that authority over them and he enjoys that feeling of power and that's really clear right away the first the first time he strikes back yeah okay maybe it's somebody had to push him to that point but as soon as he gets a taste for the violence he loves it and he certainly is like throughout the rest of the movie not acting in self-defense in any way shape or form with the other kills
3: yeah and I don't know I know people are angry about the whole Gary Glitter thing too but I, I, I don't know but but at the same time there's something perfect about that particular scene it works. of yeah, if you have a guy in in John Wayne Gacy makeup, because that's what they based his makeup yeah. off of, like dancing to a song written by a pedophile, fantasizing about the violence he's going to get to inflict soon. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know, that's just, that's it, nothing... Scream psychopath like that scene, and it's it's such a harmless scene if you take it out of context.
1: The, the only thing that, that makes that scene better is when they cut out the music for a minute, he's dancing with nothing, and that's that creepy shit. Right. <laughs> he looks even scarier when there's no music. No, but I mean, I, I don't know, I just looked at it and went, uh, It was 1981, nobody knew. Gary Glitter was a pedophile yet, so that's why they were allowed to use that music in this song. <laughs> that's that's going to be my interpretation of it. It's time travel justification. Yeah, it was... I, I know, I just... And we, we've had this conversation before, I don't feel as strongly that because somebody does something wrong we have to wipe all of their art off the world. Like, if, if you feel that strongly about it, then maybe they could work out a deal where they donate some small portion of the profits to helping children in need or whatever. Right, But... I just it, the song works in the scene. You're right. Knowing the truth about the artist probably makes it better, not worse. Um, whatever. Yeah,
3: I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was interesting that you're kind of is a comic book fan. You're watching it, and you're like, I don't understand how they're going to get from this to the Joker and then all of a sudden there's a couple scenes where it like bleeds through all of a sudden and you're like oh I kind of fucking get it like whenever he's the yeah. cops are chasing him through the train and he kind of unintentionally starts a fight and then uses the chaos to just kind of like take a few steps back and slide out of it and he's got that look on his face like ha you know <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know yeah. That's and you're like yeah that's it right there that's, that's what I want to see in the next movie
1: yeah I, I i'd be curious to see how where they go with it after this but um it, you're 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 completely correct that it's like it doesn't feel like a comic book movie and then every now and again they're just like a little peek behind the curtain and there he is acting all comic booky and nothing is more comic booky than the uh when he finally gets on the talk show and he's just I mean that whole sequence feels like it's taken right from the pages of a graphic novel like it's right. just I really enjoyed
3: that. Yeah, the his his entrance, all the I don't know. So, like I said, it's really fun, Brian. You really need to go see it; it's really good. Man, it's worth it's worth it to see it just to see Joaquin Phoenix is acting in this movie because it's yeah,
1: fucking, for sure it's, it's next level shit.
2: If it ends up on Netflix, maybe.
1: I don't all get right. how you can have no interest in this.
2: Uh, because I don't understand how you have a Joker movie without Batman in it.
1: And well,
3: he gets he gets touched on.
2: I know, I know. I've I've heard all this stuff, but um, just like I don't understand how you have a Venom movie without Spider Man, which is why I did not go see Venom either. And
3: actually, actually, I was going to say I was talking to somebody. I liked the juxtaposition they did. So in in the comic books, there's always that underlying. Uh, Uh, thing about the only reason why the Joker exists is because Batman exists. And this, they kind of have switched it now to where the only reason Batman exists is because the Joker exists. Which makes their relationship essentially exactly the same.
1: Well, keeping Mm -hmm. in mind too that that's what Tim Burton did in 1989, was that Batman wouldn't exist without the Joker. Well,
3: I'm I'm talking more psychologically. Not... Not, not the fact that, like, uh, you know, in that one, it's more direct. You know, the yeah. Joker kills his parents. But in this one, it's more... Uh, the Joker... In the comic books, the Joker exists because of the idea that Batman is actually mentally unstable and in his own way is driving Gotham crazy. And in this version, it's now Batman's going to be unstable because the Joker's driving Gotham crazy.
1: I also one of the fun ways that, because I've just been sitting around thinking about this movie for days, and one of the interpretations that I think is completely valid is that this is a world where Batman already exists, and if you assume that that Joker is making this whole story up, like hypothetically let's just assume Joker's making this whole story up from scratch while sitting in Arkham. You could interpret it as he's just trying to give himself credit for Batman because he's just so fucking nuts that he wants to be the reason Batman's out there. Yeah, and like, maybe that's true, too. And then you, you could take that a step further and go, like, how fucking crazy would he have to be if he's doing this, if Batman's the one that threw him into Arkham in the first place? Which would be fun. I've And I, I, I have no idea if anybody involved in the film has anything close in their heads to what I just said. I just think it's really, really... A fun idea. It's really fun with this movie because everything is so fucked up that you can just sit there and pick and choose what you want to be real and what, right. how to interpret the things once you decide whether you think they're real or not.
3: I even like the fact that at the end, uh, her the the doctor lady's clothing's a little bit ambiguous and the technology's a little ambiguous, so you're not exactly sure. Because you know the rest of the movie's very clearly early 80s or late 70s. It's, you know, it's one or the other. It
1: it is 1981, New York. It's, it it is, this is, for all intents and purposes, a Taxi Driver remake. Right. Um, So, it's
3: that exact city. Yeah, but I was going to say, but so the whole movie is that until the very end, and then you're kind of like sitting there going, well, did this just jump forward, or was it never that? You know what I mean? It's... Or, or is it, or is it back then? Because, like I said, the clothing and the the, the little microphone thing they're using—it doesn't look quite as uh, dated as it should, or something.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't even pick up on that, but I think it's completely reasonable. It's it's really cool. I don't know, and there's so much left ambiguous in the film. You, Again, even regardless of whether you think something's real or whether he's making up, you still don't know what happened in every scene. Like, I've I've been struggling with the question of did he or did he not kill the, uh, the girlfriend character? And regardless of whether it, that scene happened in his head or it happened in the real world, I still don't know whether he killed her during the scene. I, during the, I, th- uh,
3: I think yes. I think the one thing... So people are saying this isn't very much like the comic book Joker... The one thing I will say about this Joker is it comes off more like uh, so in in uh, Dark Knight Returns in the comic books when Joker shows up and and uh, does all of the terrible things to Barbara Gordon and then takes the pictures to her dad. This the is killing this, joke. Oh yeah, the killing joke. Sorry. Uh, I was gonna say this is the first Joker that I look at it, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is the Joker that would do that.
1: Yeah, he's he's so much darker than even Heath Ledger's Joker that yeah, you could actually picture him doing these terrible things.
3: Yeah, I'm sad. But, I'm
1: sad, Brian, that you don't. That you're not more interested. But, mm. If nothing else, like you should wanna see it just as a tribute to the Scorsese films of the eighties. Like if you're mm. I, I really genuinely think like I would recommend this, even if you hate comic book movies and have no interest, if you're a fan of Taxi Driver or King of Comedy, there's so many references and so much is lifted from that and it's just a great homage to those films. Whereas like if you really don't want this to be Joker, just don't be Joker then. I don't I don't get how I I, it blows my mind how somebody could see the trailer for this and not want to go see the movie
2: because I saw the trailer for it and I was like well that looks stupid and I lost complete interest in it
3: I don't get it yeah that's weird I was I was I was really on the fence going into it but I mean they kind of like I said King Phoenix is acting and this is so fucking good It's his, it's something to do with his physicality too. He does this great job of like uh, looking pathetic and menacing at the same time.
1: Right? Yeah. No, it is. It's that, and it's it's the weird dancing, which I understand they added like a lot of additional dancing in like uh, during the shoot because they just realized it was working. And it's it's weird to say this because I not a fan of musicals or anything but I love the way the dancing kind of tells the story like the way he dances changes as his character is developing and it's super fucking weird and that scene right after the first set of killings when he's in the bathroom there and he starts to like you can see he's almost con- contemplating just killing himself because he doesn't know what else to do and instead he starts to dance and then all of a sudden it takes on a whole different form than it has at previous points in the movie
3: yeah I also like the whole thing of so going into it, one of the things I was irritated about was that they were you know, you know that you know what the Joker's real name is and all that kind of stuff. And by the end they managed to fix that too and be like, nope, no, you don't.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, again, it, you don't know anything about this movie, which is normally would be the kind of thing that I would find pretentious and annoying, but and they did it well enough that I don't have that problem.
2: See, the more important thing that I just found on Facebook Is a headline that reads Maniac Cop TV Series Reboot From Nicholas Winding Refn Picked up by HBO Interesting idea
3: Wait, uh-huh. HBO's gonna make it? Yeah Alright, <laughs> let's do this
2: with the, with the director of Drive behind it Which makes it
1: um, you know. I, I'm sold i I'm convinced yeah.
2: See, that's something we can all agree on.